welcome, the door is open and you can walk right in. If you're welcome nowhere else, you're certainly welcome here. As our friend Rumi always says, why do you stay in your jail cell when the door is wide open? Welcome to Fishing Without Bait. Welcome to a world of full impact mindfulness where we challenge people to actually participate in their lives. We try to help people get out of the wishing and hoping mode and get into the action part of their lives. We talk about buying the ticket into their life and we challenge people to connect with their authentic selves. We're not much on finding yourself. We're about creating yourself. What would you like to be? We're more interested in what you are rather than what you're not. We're interested in you inventorying your gifts, talents, and abilities and walking through life with your eyes wide open. And for the followers of this show, if you've been, uh, participating the last number of months, you've probably realized that as we always, we take a different curve every now and then. We take a left at the North Star and we land in different types of places. And we've had an eclectic uh, group of guests. However, they all share one common theme and they're at the cutting edge of what they do. They're into alternative explanations, alternative perhaps realities, if you'd like to say that. And today we're joined by my friend and compatriot, a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Matt Keener. Uh, Matt, could you give a little brief bio of yourself before we plunge forward. Yeah, Jim. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. Um, always a pleasure to sit with you. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist and uh, entrepreneur here in Pittsburgh, and where I've lived for the past, uh, I think we're going on 17 years now, and a lifelong Pennsylvanian. And I'm interested in helping adolescents uh, with their brain health slash mental health, as we call it. And on this program, Matt, we ask people to label and identify the boundaries of their comfort zones as a lot of times they're self-created by depression, anxiety, drug addiction, alcohol, whatever. Mm -hmm. However, the, the places aren't comfortable. However, they're familiar. And we often tell people that the growth takes place outside of that comfort zone. We, uh, like to tell people that they're like a balloon with an infinite capacity for expansion. And we like to irritate people enough that they <laughs> that they get enough against those boundaries and they want to get restless, irritable, and discontented enough to grow. And in that case, uh, you often think outside the box, do you not? Yeah, I've been accused of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a psychiatrist, you're already a bit outside the box of, of medicine. Um, we're on the on pretty far on the left-hand side spectrum of of the the entire span of medicine as a whole um and so we kind of start off on the periphery but i've always had a um i guess it started when i was working at uh, thomas jefferson center for integrative medicine you know having a chance to to really sit outside the box and see what it's like to help people on their health journey uh pulling together disparate treatment elements into an overall care plan that started my journey, I guess. I think the first time I met you was a number of years ago, and you were talking about uh, some type of dealing with technology in order to not only help people in their mental health, but to help people participate in their lives. And sometimes that's the antithesis of what uh, sometimes what we preach is that we help people disconnect to connect and get it back mm -hmm. into natural cycles. However, however, uh, one of the purposes of us doing that is we find, Matt, people who 
overindulge and rather than allowing technology to be a tool of theirs, they become a tool of technology. Yeah. Which is a really, it's a really easy thing to happen. And, um, you know, one thing I'd like to just point out to people just to shake some perceptions or get people thinking any human who's neurologically intact learns how to uh, speak or talk. However, and, and this is across cultures, any culture in the world, but written communication is a tool that's passed down through culture. It's a, it's a technology, pen and paper, right? To, to write is a technology. And we tend to think of technology as these things like that are in our hands, you know, holding these microphones and things that have wires or microchips or software attached to them. But there's a pretty broad scope of things in our in our world, the you know, the wheel <laughs> as an example, that are that are technologies that we've created for use within our culture and remain in our broader culture. So the, the human the human the broader human story is one that does incorporate tools and technologies. And so um, I think the most human approach is to be mindful of the technology that we're using and use it mindfully. Isn't it a commonality among people that the things that they grew up with, the music they listened to, the technology that they used, the cars that they drove the way they did things were the correct things and they view any change from that as heresy well yeah the the um you, you know and you mentioned comfort zones one of the interesting things that's happened over the past 20 years is that fashion hasn't changed much the, if you look at uh, and i'm referring to clothing or even or even musical tastes in some ways the if you look at let's say a period from and i can't remember where i read this but it's a fascinating article if you look at a period from let's say the you know the 1910s to the 1940s right the huge changes in how people dress 1940s to 1970s major changes in the types of music that people listen to the types of uh, what people drove what they look like social mores and uh there's actually been not much changing in the past 30 years with regards to um, both men's and women's fashion in terms of what we wear. Even even things like, I mean, it wasn't a full 30 years ago, but grunge and flannels and on the whole people wear jeans and people wear hoodies and people wear uh, bomber jackets. Or The thought being as far as why that is, is that there's so much other change in our culture that we only can handle so much change at any one time. And so with the um, digital technology explosion that we've seen, that itself has changed our lives and our patterns so much that that type of change doesn't go into things like fashion or music as much as it has in, in years, decades past. So to your point about change and heresy and you know isn't it true that what we are used to becomes the normal i do think that there's a certain amount of change that we can handle <laughs> and once it starts to go beyond that 
it gets uncomfortable for people and they quickly go back into some old routines. And of course, what we do is we help people and help them understand established patterns of behavior, both thought patterns and, and physical actions and behaviors. And we help them step back and look at those behaviors rather than from them. And also, uh, we help people develop what we call on this show power words, such as I am and I choose, uh, which gives you an empowerment over yourself and your life, which unfortunately sometimes we give to others. And the beautiful yeah. thing about this is we have a choice on how much to participate in any type of drama, any type of technology, or any type of situation. It's a great way to look at it. And and I would maybe even suggest the, not necessarily the opposite, but on the one hand, using I statements generates power for oneself, but not using them removes, I view it less about giving yourself power than, than it is uh, abdicating that power. And we often talk about how the only power that people, places, things, situations, especially thoughts and feelings have, is the power that we choose to give that person. We choose to give it. No one can make you happy, sad, angry, or glad. The only person who can do that is yourself. And when we help people, people understand that. So as an adolescent uh, psychiatrist, I have a hunch that you're approached more than once about my son and or daughter having their face stuck in a phone or on a video game. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you deal with those situations? How do you, how do you talk to the parents? Oh, yeah. Well, it's... it's um... I mean, one one of the things that's interesting is I always have people coming and saying, uh, my kid can't pay attention, um, but he can pay attention to that screen for hours at a time, you know, as if that's, as if that's somehow surprising, right? As if like the, the glowing flashing screen, like flickering at a whatever frame rate, like, of course, that's going to entrance your, your child's brain. Like, of course, they're going to stare at that thing. Like, it's. You know, it's February in Pittsburgh. It's gray. It's slow. It's you know, and then you've got the bright, shiny, flashy thing. It's like, well, of course they're gonna, of course they're they're gonna be. We're, we're all pulled into that, right? You mentioned something about rhythms, and um, you know, I'm curious for you, like, what do you use as anchors for that for people? To how do you, what do you, as a therapist, what baseline are you using to to compare them against here's this one of the things that i use matt i ask people to compare themselves to a flower in a garden and i asked them so i asked them i said do flowers in a garden compare themselves to other flowers or do they bloom and then i asked them what are the three elements that it takes to make a flower bloom to have a plant be healthy well it's water sunlight and soil so then we transition into the holistic model where the water becomes taking care of your physical body uh the sunlight I, again we go back to the 12-step world we call that the sunlight of the spirit a connection with some type of spirituality of of your own choosing mm -hmm. and then we talk about the soil is the environment that you place yourself in mm -hmm. if you take a healthy beautiful plant and you transplant it into a sandbox it's going to wither mm -hmm. and what people don't understand is although at times they don't have a choice as to their environment or where they placed. They do have a choice as 
who do they surround themselves with? What do they wish to be? Where can they, what, what type of action steps can they take to transplant themselves into a, perhaps a more beneficial environment? Okay. And what, what we do is we help people uh, use, use those choose type of words. To, to get a baseline, Matt, what, what, one of the questions I often ask people, I said, if everything was taken away from you, your health, your money, your home, everything, who'd be with you at the end? Who'd be standing with you? Who'd never desert you? And think mm -hmm. about that carefully. And then I ask, I ask these people to name those people. And then I'll say, who in your life do you trust so much that if they said, fall, I will catch you, you'd fall without hesitation? Mm. Those are the people, those are the relationships you want to add to and reinforce. That's what's mm -hmm. important. The other stuff is trivial nonsense. And it's the sooner that you disconnect and declutter your mind and your life from that, then perhaps you can bloom a bit. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I'm curious about is what life was like X years ago. Right? Pick, pick a time frame. Um, the, I don't think we have a very good institution, uh, cultural memory of what things were like before. And and there's this comparison we have of what, you know, how things used to be, right? I'm reminded of the this meme going around of, you know, like, uh, it's a bunch of people on the bus in like the 30s and everyone's face is in a newspaper, right? And then they compare it with a image of the bus now and everyone's face is in a screen and, and saying like, oh, well, and, and the caption says something like, you know, these kids today with their faces, you know, stuck up in the screens. And it's, um, I don't think we, we really as humans are equipped to r recall what life was like 10 years ago. I get a lot of people who are disgruntled with the quote, youth of today, and they tell me that they're so entitled and they're so disrespectful, they're so selfish. And I say, oh boy, that sounds familiar to me. And then I'll bring out a, uh, I'll bring out a sheet of paper that I usually keep with me and I'll read it and it talks about how the youth of today are so entitled, so selfish and self-centered, so disrespectful and on and on and on. And they say, yeah, that's right. And I said, you know who wrote that? And they say, no, but I'd like to meet them. I said, well, you'd have to have a time machine because Socrates wrote that about the youth of Athens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We have no way yeah. to, to transmit. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Um, I don't think the we have feeling, memory, attitudes. Of, I mean, aside from um, writing, um, and and books, but that doesn't fully capture it. And and even ourselves, like, we have this idea about what, you know, what screen time used to be like, or not be like, or have or not have. You know, my kid. Like, I remember sitting and watching. It was the Jetson, Jetsons, <laughs> and then it was well, it was Flintstones, and mm -hmm. then it was the Jetsons, and then after the Jetsons, sometimes it'd be Scooby Doo, and it was like, how, like I used, like I was allowed to just do that. Good parents, great family, you know, like, and we were like, yeah, it's just something that happened. Like you just got to watch TV. It's just part of the play, and you didn't get that much screen time every day that you watched like an hour and a half of TV, but it certainly was enough that I knew that those shows went back to back to back and um and yet now like i'll get anxious if my kids watch like two 22 minute shows back to back mm -hmm. so um and and thinking that that's some golden time where i would play baseball in the yard with all the neighborhood kids you know for hours on end 
which didn't happen. I was at a uh, thrift shop oh, a month or so ago with somebody. We were looking at all the different articles, and a fellow came in there, and they had a bunch of kites, and he was I said, look, we started talking, and he said, yeah, I said, are you interested in flying kites? He's there, yeah. He's there, I developed an app for, an app for my kids. It's called Play Outside. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, however, like the Buddha says, we want to walk that middle path. We want to find the moderation. Yeah, and uh, people forget that Buddha was a rich prince who had slept with a thousand women who had been an entrepreneur, right? Yes. Like, let's, like, Buddha was a rich prince who then... Went in, found his own business, did well. So he's, he was, I mean, he wasn't self made because he's a rich prince. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then went to go study love, right? I.e., <laughs> live in a brothel. Well, I, well he, and, lived and, a, he, lived a, he lived a life of complete entitlement. And he was a little bit unfamiliar with what occurred outside the palace walls. Right. <laughs> right. So, so the um, right. So so our, our expectations are they're molded in back. There's a key word right there, Matt. Expectations. Yeah. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait. Click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.